0: by a loved one that is no longer serving the Lord. And that does not mean that we don't care about those who have never known God. That's not the point. I just feel that impressed on my spirit this morning. And if just a small percentage, if just a small percentage of backsiders returned, our churches would be bursting at the seams. Our churches would be overflowing. And and sometimes the thought of that can give us a heavy heart, and and sometimes it can be a situation that's almost like a suffocating darkness that just relentlessly pushes uh, against us. But um, I want to push back today a little bit. Is anybody with me? I want to push back in the Spirit. I want to push back in our faith and raise our sights today uh, to what God can do and the work of the Spirit that can happen. And us working with the Spirit, we know that God is at work. God is always active. God's always working. But, but we want we want to work with the Spirit, and be a part of what's going on. And so let's read today. Uh, out of we'll start at Second Corinthians, and then we'll go to Ephesians. Second Corinthians chapter ten, starting verse three. Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For well, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, till the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord, and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, spiritual authorities, spiritual forces, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places, spiritual wickedness in high places. And. Um, Stay with me and this will make sense as we get further into this. But today I want to preach to us, and I'm gonna I'm gonna redo a word. It's probably not a proper word, but but today I'm not I'm not working for grammar today. Grammar's gonna work for me. I want to preach to us today, contending for the unsurrendered. Contending for the unsurrendered. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your spirit. I thank you for your presence that's with us. I thank you for the good people of God that have gathered here together and all the good things you want to do in their lives. God, I come to you and I pray that something would open up within us today. Lord, in our yearning for backsliders, in our yearning for those loved ones that we want to return, I pray, God, that something would break loose in within us today in our faith, in our believing, in the force and impact of our prayers. I pray, God, that something today would arise within us and realize there is a part that we can play, God, in this battle. There's a part that we can play. There's a job for us to do, Lord, and there's a duty that is upon us in this war, God, against the powers of darkness in Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen. "Amen, Amen." You may be seated now. In uh, this is a message, actually. Now, this may sound a little strange, but this is a message, actually. I I wish, I wish that I I didn't I didn't have the experience to preach it. And I'm not trying to stand up here like some you know great great person, but. A lot of times some of the best messages that come to the preacher are things that that you have lived, things that you've experienced, things that that it's not just a theory, it's not just study, it's not just something mentally that we picked up, but something that's born out of some kind of experience or struggle or or and, and you've lived it for real. And that's where that's where uh, this this message was born. It did not come to me as a message. It came to me as an experience. And when that experience was over, I felt like the Lord dealt with me and said, "Look, I want you, I want you to share this with others. Uh, there's so many in so many churches that are dealing with backslidden loved ones and the the pressure and, and the we, we we hide it well. We are able to go about." Our daily routine and 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 get by we're able to get by even with the sorrow and the yearning that we can have for the prodigal but anyway I think sometimes we've got to remember it's not just they're not coming to church it's not just they've stopped coming and stopped living for God not anything I'm saying I don't mean it judgmentally I'm not being self-righteous here today and casting stones I don't mean it in that sense I'm speaking this with compassion and i'm speaking this caring about about souls but but it is actually there are spiritual things that are going on there's a spiritual warfare that is taking place and there's battles that even the one that has walked away from god they don't even understand the, the fullness of it themselves. They understand the urges that led them away. They understand the desires that led them away. But they don't understand behind the veil, all right, on the spiritual side of things, all the forces at work and all the conniving and all the scheming that the enemy has done. And that's why Paul in 2 Corinthians and Ephesians was telling us let's let's get a little glimpse beyond just this natural life. And and a lot of times they don't even understand. We don't even understand Understand The influences that are working on someone and, and the, the voices that are speaking to them and what's going on in their own spirit and in our own spirit. And that's why, folks, listen, when we're dealing with souls, be they a backslidden soul or be they someone who's never known God, it's of utmost, utmost important that we operate in the spirit, that we operate sensitive to the Holy Ghost, that we operate sensitive to God and sensitive to that person. I don't mean weak when I say sensitive, but I am saying we can't just blunder our way through life we've got to let God direct us Uh, we've got to let the Holy Ghost work with us Uh, uh, if if we're not careful too often our only tool will be a hammer and every problem will look like a nail but I'm telling you there is a place we can operate in the Holy Ghost uh, where God will give us wisdom and God will give us favor and most importantly God will give us inroads uh, into that life inroads in our praying Uh, God will take us places we never thought we would go hallelujah just a little I I want to turn to Mark chapter 5 I'm not going to read a lot from here but it gives us a little glimpse a little glimpse into uh, this this the spiritual warfare side of things it's very vivid it's very dramatic and I'm not saying that everyone that's not living for God is possessed of demons. That's not my point. But we do know that there are forces of darkness at work, all right? And I'm not trying, I, I'm not trying to say that every case we're dealing with is dramatic as this. But this is a good illustration of what we're talking about. Mark chapter 5, let Let's start reading. They came over, verse 1, unto the other side of the sea into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he, that's Jesus, was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs. And no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because he had uh, been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always, night and day. He was in the mountains and in the tombs crying and cutting himself with stones. I want to pause right here and say nobody plans on wrecking their life like that. Nobody plans on doing that to themselves. No one wakes up in the morning and gets out their schedule and says, hey, I think today I'll wreck my life. Uh, and I, w- I, I do want to pause and say this right here. If there are spirits uh, that are dealing with you this morning, whatever they are, if you're struggling with sin, if you're struggling with things, if you're struggling with, with the, the instability of do I want to live for God or do I not, I want to tell you, and I say this with compassion, get help get help don't mess with those spirits don't play with that don't fool around with it i'm telling you this man did not get up and say i think i'll become a, a, a beast in the field just screaming and hollering and wailing uh, and and just a minister society i think that's what i'll do uh, listen we may think we're going to flirt around the edges and just well i'm going to dabble here no i'm telling you sin's always going to take us farther than we want to go it's always going to do more damage uh, then we think we think we're go- uh, we think this is the deceit. We think I'm going to control it. I'm going to do it. I'm in charge. And I'm telling you folks, there comes a place where we're not in charge. Uh, there comes a place where we are not uh, the one calling the shots. So listen to me. So as we read this man, Jesus sees this man. Now there's something we've got to understand about this. We're just reading along the story here. But if we could really see that the village there this man was from, remember this, he had family. He had friends. Everybody would probably sit around and talk about the poor old boy, the poor old wild man out, out, out in the tombs. They knew his name. They knew his family. They knew his parents. They knew his siblings. Did he have a wife and kids? We don't know. But we know that there was a horrible impact even on uh, uh, just those that were around this man. And there was probably a day it was kind of bad and they noticed, boy, this, this isn't good. And then it got worse and it got worse and it snowballed and picked up momentum. And then pretty soon he's just wild and out of control and they're trying to chain him down and he's living he's living at the cemetery because something is so twisted and demented in his mind and again I'm saying this out of compassion I'm not saying it out of self righteousness and the bible says that that uh he had a he he runs to Jesus and Jesus said who are you and he says we are legion you can read a little later in verse 9 he said we are legion we are legion. And a legion, the best uh, I could come up with, and it's pretty good material in the ancient Roman army, a legion was a, a unit of three thousand to six thousand men. It says six thousand to three uh, three thousand to six thousand men. So that man, or really the spirit speaking out of that man says there are thousands of us in here that's what he was saying there are thousands of us uh, inside of this man i'm going to tell you this man was overcome this man was overtaken There might have been little remnants where he realized that man what has happened to me, but pretty soon that seemed like it was totally gone. But there are thousands of devils that are ripping this man's soul apart, turning him into a beast. We are legion. There's a a small army of us in here. But I want to point out something that happens uh, in verse 6. When he saw Jesus uh, afar off... uh, It says he ran and worshipped him. All right, now pay attention to me here. There are thousands of devils inside of this man. I mean, he is so much in the dark, there's no light that's even breaking through, it seems. But Jesus steps off of that boat and looks at that man. And with thousands of devils tearing at him, trying to hold him back, trying to keep him, the Bible says he ran to Jesus and he worshipped him with thousands, all of the power of thousands of devils. It could not stop that man from running to Jesus. And everything wasn't okay in that moment. Everything wasn't alright. But something happened in that moment that triggered something in me. Pastor, thousands of devils. We would have called him irrecoverable, and all of our human effort and trying, we would have called it, "How do you come back from this?" The scars all over his body, from chains, the 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 howling like a beast. But listen to me, what am I preaching this morning? I'm preaching contending for the unsurrendered. I can't explain this pastor. But somewhere, way down inside of that man, somewhere under all the darkness, somewhere behind all of the demonic activity that drove him mad, somewhere in there, Pastor, there was one little part. That was not yet surrendered There was one little part uh, That hadn't been completely given over There was one little shred Of human left Uh, There was one little shred That had not been totally turned over And with that little piece uh, Of the unsurrendered part Of his soul The Lord touched it The Lord reached out And put his hand right on it And said no that's mine That belongs to me And there's not enough devils in hell That can keep me from my territory there's not enough devils in hell that can keep me from the things that belong to me oh somebody get a revelation this morning how dark it may look how dark it may feel I'm telling you there is an unsurrendered that God will reach for and no devil in hell no devil in hell can keep the Lord from reaching that place The Bible says the prodigal came to himself. After all, the riotous living, the hard-hearted callousness, there was still a part, a remnant that he carried with him even into a far country that never left. This message, and I'm not quite done, but this message Uh, My wife and I, this was born out of, probably to this point, the darkest and most fearful fearful time of our lives. Uh, My middle child, my son, he knows I preach this message. I have talked to him about this. And he says, you preach it, don't you ever hold back. And a lot of you know the circumstances of his backslidden years. And... um, (laughs) And he goes into an alternative lifestyle, you know what I mean? But I saw it coming, Brother Raul. My wife and I, we started detecting little things. We started picking up stuff around the house. And just his personality was different and didn't feel the same. And, and you, you try to explain it away. You try, to, you try to act. I don't mean cover. I don't mean act like everything's okay. I'm just saying you're trying to hope for the best. But years before, years before when my wife and I moved to Chico to start that church, there was a time when our kids were very, very young, very, very young. Drew was probably five, Gentry was about three, Elena was just a baby. And, uh, and one night, in the middle of the night, all of a sudden my wife woke up, and I woke up almost immediately after, and she couldn't talk. She she just couldn't talk and she was clutching my arm and and as I woke up I heard the the boys kind of crying and they were they they slept all night at this point they they were old enough they slept all night but they were like crying and whimpering around and I, as I'm I'm like well I guess something's wrong with the boys and we need to go take care of it. but I, I I was talking to her I said hey hey what and she couldn't talk and then all of a sudden she just busted out she said we gotta pray we gotta pray She goes, something's going on, and we started praying, and the devil told both of us something. Now, I know some folks say, oh, yeah, you're talking to the devil. Well, you know what? You believe what you want. I don't care. I know what the Bible says, and I know what I went through, and I just don't care if you think it's ridiculous. But something kept hammering us as we prayed, it, was, it wasn't an audible voice, but the impression was like that. And it was, if you want this city, I take your kids. You will trade your kids for this city. Well, we prayed it through that night. We got through it. and um, And time went on. But then there came that moment. When our middle son really our our kids all went through their normal teenage things that, that kids go through, but then we realized something's desperately wrong with with, with gentry. And uh, there came a time, Brother Calhoun, when that threat that threat became very, very real. Very real. And it I'm gonna tell you something. I'm I'm gonna tell you something, church, and I'm not I'm not I'm not being dramatic. I can't describe to you. And my wife, we cannot describe to you the darkness that settled over us. I'm talking about a hopeless despondency. I had faith in God. My faith in God wasn't shaken. But I was shaken about the situation. There were times, Brother Calhoun, my wife and I would sit in the front room. We would sit in the front room. I couldn't pray. I hope that doesn't make me sound carnal. I hope that doesn't make me sound like I don't have faith. Uh, maybe your faith is better than mine. I worshiped, I went to church, I but there were times we would get bad news from a far country, and i 'm going to tell you, we would we would set to, and we 'd see things on social media. My wife and I we would just set. there were no more tears to cry. there I couldn't pray. I knew God could do something, but I didn't. I we would just sit and we would just stare. That's all we had. That's all the energy that we had. I would go to church and I would preach and my wife would sing and worship and we'd do all the things that we did because we believed. But I'm going to tell you something. There were times I was empty, Brother Calhoun. I was empty. I said, somebody will just have to pray. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. There would months, months, months go by. There was a long period of time we didn't even know where he lived and didn't even know his phone number. We loved that boy. It broke our hearts. Any chance we did got, did get, we would tell him how much we loved him and, and how much we cared. I'm telling you, it was it was some of our it was some of our, our worst, worst days. But I can tell you right now that that from some of our greatest fears came our greatest prayers. Brother Watkins, I'm gonna tell you something. We'd always prayed, but I'm gonna tell you, in those moments, I learned to pray prayers I didn't know that you could go. You could pray like that. I didn't know you could feel that way. I didn't know your insides could twist like that. I didn't know. I didn't know how bad, uh, uh, how bad you could want something. I didn't know how deep your faith could run. I thought I had rugged faith, but those years taught me what what really rugged faith was all about. I didn't know it. To, uh, the Bible says we should pray for uh, we know not what we should pray for as we we ought but the Spirit but the Spirit maketh intercession I'm telling you folks I I don't know where you're at in what I'm preaching today but hear me the Spirit will make intercession the Spirit of God will sweep onto the scene the Spirit of God will come in uh, to your situation and begin to move uh, the immovable and begin to shake the unshakable and begin to fill your soul and fill your mouth with prayers uh, and with intercessions uh, and with faith. Things that look impossible. Things that look like how do you turn this around? But I'm talking about contending for the unsurrendered. One day one day in the church I was just there at the church middle of the day. Wasn't revival. Wasn't church service. Actually nothing Remarkable going on other than the pain we live with every day, man I was praying at the church, I was praying at the church, and I was just walking back and forth in front of the the platform there praying and and i can 't put into words what happened. I wish you could feel what happened the day that that all this took place. I was praying, seeking the Lord and Brother Calhoun, I'm telling you something. The Holy Ghost did not just move into that building. The Holy Ghost crashed. I literally physically felt. I stopped. The atmosphere in that room changed so dramatically and so instantly. I literally looked up thinking, what just happened? I physically felt it. And all of a sudden, the, the Spirit of the Lord was dealing with me saying, Pray. 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 Uh, you need to pray right now. Pray for gentry right now. Pray. No, I mean really pray. That's what the whole This is how the Holy Ghost was talking to me. This was the spirit of that moment. I'm telling you. I ran over to that front row over there by the baptistry. I ran over there to that front row and I literally hit the ground and I started praying and I said, God, I'm praying right now. What's going on? Is there danger? Is there something happening? Is there something going on? I'm telling you, this is what the Lord told me. He said, no, this there's no danger right now he said but I want to tell you right now I want you to pray right now because I vi- I am visiting him right now and I visit him in his unsurrendered place I visit him in the part of his soul that is not totally given over in that place of his heart where he still remembers me where he still remembers his experience with me he still remembers home he still remembers the touch of God he remembers who he was meant to be And the Holy Ghost said there's a piece of him that belongs to me and there in that unsurrendered place I visit him I visit him and I want you to contend I want you to contend right now with me because he's being stirred he's feeling something right now he's feeling those old stirrings he's feeling those old godly urges and I need you to pray with me I called my wife and I said listen to what just happened and I'm telling you right now the spirit of was so strong. I feel like I can't adequately communicate it this morning like it needs to be, but I'm telling you it opened up. Brother Calhoun, it opened up. Brother Ralph, something in my mind I have never seen and never felt before. I have never prayed like I prayed that day. And I realized that as I prayed, as I joined up with the moving of the Spirit, the Holy Ghost was moving with my prayers and through all of the thick darkness, through all of the demonic hordes, through all of it. the Holy Ghost was sweeping it away, pushing it away, backing it away, till he got to that place where Gentry still remembered his God, where Gentry still remembered his church, where Gentry still remembered his experience, that one place that was unsurrendered, that one place that was not totally given over, God said that is mine, and I will go there any time that I want, that is mine, and I will not let go of that place, I will not let go of that fragment that belongs to me, church listen to me I prayed, I yelled, I screamed I cried, I groaned and all I can say is this oh let's all stand together all I can say is this I never prayed the same again brother Rao I never prayed for him the same again I'd be driving down the road and something would come over me. I'd say, devil, I know what it looks like. And I know what it feels like. I've got the scars to prove it. But I'm telling you something right now, devil. There's a revelation I have now. And when I pray, devil, when I pray, I'm not praying out of weak, weak brokenness. I'm broken and I'm aching and I'm hurting. But I'm praying out of a place of unshakable faith uh, that there's something in him. There's something within him. And it belongs to God. And it's not gone. And you don't own it. And you can't own it. And when I pray this way, God visits him there. Oh, I know, Brother Calhoun. I want somebody to have hope. It didn't happen right away. Brother Raul didn't happen. He didn't come back that weekend. It was a year and a half, two years later. We were preaching for Brother Weeks back in Georgia. My wife's phone rang. And it was Gentry. He said, Mom, she could hardly understand it. He said, Mom, I've got to come home. I've got to come home please I want to come home We got on a plane the next morning Got back as quick as we could And there his car was Pulled up in the driveway And, and that was Saturday And Sunday morning You know where he sat Brother Watkins over there by my wife Sunday morning Gentry come walking into church and my wife, my wife had, had put a, there was a chair. She had a reserve sign on it. And the sign said, reserved by faith. Gentry walked in. He saw that chair. Big old tears just started rolling down his face. We, we didn't even get through the first song. His hands were in the air. He was weeping and crying, praising God and talking in tongues. That was June of 2017. And I want you to know that every time those doors are open, there's a young man that was bound... There's a young man that looked irrecoverable. But every time those doors are open, every time there's a prayer meeting, every time there's a youth service, there's a young man that had an unsurrendered part of his heart. And he comes and he takes his place and he sits on his seat and his hands are in the air. I want somebody today to believe again. I want somebody today to pray again and believe. You put it in that, that you put it in that loved one. You put it in that center daughter you put it down deep I'm telling you right now it does not belong to Satan he does not own it God has his claims God has his rights you need to contend for the unsurrendered you need to pray and say God I am praying for the unsurrendered I'm praying for the part of their heart and the part of their soul the part of their life that isn't totally given over I am praying right now because I know you've got your hand wrapped around You know what? I'm opening this altar. I don't have a lot more to say. You've caught the spirit of what I'm talking about. I'm opening this altar right now. And I want us to come and pray in their stead. I want us to come and pray. And I want you to pray in faith. I want you to pray with a revelation. I want you to pray with an understanding. That when I pray this way, when I pray for that lost boy, that lost girl, that lost spouse, uh, that, that, that prodigal, when I pray for them, uh, I am touching a part of their heart that still belongs to God. I am touching a part of their heart that is unsurrendered to the world, unsurrendered to the darkness. And when I pray that way, God works with me. God moves with me. Come on, let's pray. While they sing, let's just pray. I want you to pray anew. I want you to pray with faith. I know, God, that you visit them in that place. I know that that is not told. If a demoniac with a legion of spirits could break now, through all of that and fall at the feet of Jesus. Now, that tells me there's an unsurrendered part Jesus, in every prodigal that God can reach, field, that God can touch, that God can transform. Now, here, now, Come on, let's pray. Jesus, let's believe God. Everything, change, oh. Contending, contending for the unsurrendered. I will not give up. I will not be swallowed up in darkness. I will not be swallowed up in circumstances that look hopeless. I'm praying for that prodigal. I'm praying for that prodigal. I'm praying for that part of their heart that is unsurrendered.